Good morning, Moore Tribe. We're so glad you could join us for our version of Church Online. We hope to bring a piece of our home and authentic atmosphere to wherever you are right now. We miss you all and pray blessings over you and your families. I want to remind you, we are continuing our negativity fast, so feel free to share your thoughts on our Facebook page as you read through your books. We will be posting more often on all our social media and would love for you to follow, watch, and comment to keep us all connected. Lastly, we want to ask you to please give online to support your church. We could not do any of this without you. We appreciate your support, your prayers, and the time you've taken to be with us right now. Father, we thank you so much for this day and for your presence that's already here. God, we thank you for technology and the ability, the ability to do this. We thank you for your presence that is in every room, everyone that tunes in, and that you're here with us. And then we just get to worship you and pour out our praise on you, God. We thank you for surrounding us. We thank you for protecting us during this time. We just pray that you would release your healing, your sozo healing over our entire world. That you would put an end to this virus. That you would protect your children. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Thank you for joining us again, for tuning in. Uh, just was such a great success last week. And uh, I just want to take a moment right here at the beginning and just throw out some special thanks to uh, the people that have really made this happen. Uh, Matt and Catherine and Amber and special thanks to Alex Fairbanks. Just these guys have just spent hours and hours. This seems so simple, but it's, it's really not. So. Uh, if you see them or you want to drop them a line or write them a note and thank them because they've just really gone above and beyond. It was just a huge success last week. Um, by that, I mean we probably reached two or three times more people than we normally do on Sunday morning. So you're like, wow, uh, I didn't think that would happen, but it did. And what's really cool about this and the good news about it all is this is going to continue. Uh, after this pandemic is gone, after we can meet again, uh, we'll have regular church, but we will continue to broadcast online. And uh, all the churches that I know of in the city are some way or another, they're broadcasting their services on Sunday morning. And if all of them are having the kind of impact that we are having, and I, I know of two that have, that had double, uh, they reached double what they normally do on a Sunday morning, that means that we're going to reach more people uh, from this city than we've ever reached, uh, ever. And in fact, I bet you in the entire country that the gospel is going to go out like it's never gone out in the history of the world. So something that seemed like it was going to be so negative and was going to cause so much uh, uh, problems for the churches is actually going to be something that's going to propel the gospel to go all over the world. So I thank God for that. In fact, I just want to spend a few minutes in prayer before we get started thanking God for all the good that is coming out of this. And that may sound odd, but... I really believe that uh, what the enemy means for uh, evil, God just has this way of turning to good. And so join me in, uh, in just thanking God. So first of all, God, we want to come to you today, this morning, and just say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for just having a plan to propel your gospel, your good news, uh, about your grace and your love all over the earth. You are so wise and so brilliant. And so, God, we submit to your ways. We know they're not our ways. This is something we wouldn't have thought of, but you certainly did. And God, I just want to thank you too for what I've seen in my own neighborhood with families just walking and out riding bikes and spending time together playing in the yard. And God, I see more family time uh, than I've seen in so long. And God, I thank you that there's people sitting down to dinner together for the first time in a really long time. God, we thank you for this rest, this season of just sitting back and uh, just enjoying your goodness, these, this time, God, that we have more time to reflect and to read and to enjoy the, 
the sunrise and the sunsets. And, and God, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that your hand is in everything and that you can turn any ugly thing into something that's good. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you're all continuing with your uh, negativity fast. Uh, this, we're still in the middle of this. I think we're on day 23. But uh, this has been such an encouragement to Wendy and I. Um, as we read through here, we're always like, wow, God really knew we were going to be in the middle of this pandemic. He really knew that we would be spending a lot of time at home. And, and it's just so powerful to speak the truth of God's word, the positive truth of God's word over a situation rather than to buy into all the negativity out there, <clears throat> all the negative speech. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but negative speech, it's always harmful. It, it never is helpful. I've heard all these stories, you know, that this pandemic is actually a plot to destroy the economy or, you know, it's a, it's a plot to cancel the elections or to push them off. Or I've even heard it, you know, Bill Gates orchestrated the whole thing. I just, I just want to say to you, negative speech just doesn't do you any good. In fact, it's always harmful. And it's harmful to play the blame game. All the blame game does is, is tries to affix blame on someone or something and all it does is causes us to get angry. It causes us to feel, uh, you know, upset and, and weighted down. In fact, God's Word says in James that human anger does not ever produce the righteousness of God. And so there's no reason. It's just a wasted effort to spend time on negativity or speaking negatively or, or uh, complaining. I just want to encourage you to get into God's Word and get into the negativity declarations that, that are so positive of God's Word, and, and let God just reframe your mind, reframe your thinking. It's really a good time to remember uh, Byron Katie's great advice for examining our thoughts and what we're saying, the, the speech. You know, that, that we looked at it a few months ago, that when you're thinking something that's negative or something negative is coming out of you, just to check yourself and say, do I know this is true? Do I know it's 100% true? And how does thinking and speaking this stuff make me feel? To examine yourself when you're saying these negative things, to really examine how it's making you feel. Because the truth is, it's probably making you feel angry and upset and like, you know, a thousand pounds are on top of you. Jesus told us that the devil is a liar, that he's the father of lies, he's been lying from the beginning. And he always wants to come into a bad situation and make it worse. And so to believe his lies, to buy into the negativity, is just fueling something the devil wants to happen anyway. God does not want us to buy into anger or blaming at this time. But you know, assigning blame is, it, it's really a human, a very natural human thing. Uh, I know so many times, and you've probably done this too, that I'll leave a cabinet door open and I'll raise my head up and I'll hit my head on the cabinet door. And the first thought I think is, Wendy, why did you leave that cabinet door open? And then after I come to myself, I realize she didn't leave it open. I left it open. But it's so funny that we so want to blame someone because sometimes things happen to us. And it's like, well, this, I didn't deserve this. You know, this is undeserved hardship on me. And we want to blame somebody. And it's, it's just a human nature to do that. But we have to check ourselves. We, we have to bring our thoughts into captivity. Jesus, uh, in Luke 13, he ran into a couple of really negative stories. And I love the way that uh, he addressed these. And we'll look at that. Luke 13, 1 through 5. It said there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, well, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Two stories that you would probably read on the front of a tabloid standing in the grocery store. You know how you lead, read those tabloids. It's like, you know, Pilate mixes the Galileans' blood with the sacrifices and, you know, a 
shoddy construction work causes a tower to fall over and kill 18 innocent people in Jerusalem. And, you know, it's like they were bringing this up to Jesus, so sensationalized. And, and what they were wanting to do is kind of a fixed blame, kind of get a reason why this happened. And I liked how Jesus approached it. I don't know if you noticed this, but he didn't blame Pilate. He didn't say, you know, well, that Pilate's a scoundrel. That's what. No, he didn't say any of that. In fact, he actually lumped everyone into one big group. He said, unless you repent, unless you, unless you change your ways, you're just like all the rest. You need grace just like Pilate does. He didn't blame that shoddy contractors or people cutting corners that, you know, the tower fell over and it killed a bunch of innocent people. He didn't spend time talking about how to right the wrongs or anything like that. He just lumped them all together and said, we all have to have grace. He didn't blame anybody because it's fruitless to blame people. He's explaining that that's the way the world is. Bad things happen to good people. Very evil people do ugly things to people all the time. They always have. They always will. Bad things will happen in our world, and it happens to all of us. The question's not, why is this happening, or who is to blame for this happening? That's not the question. The question should be, how is what's happening affecting me? You see, Jesus turned it back away from the event, and he turned it back to the person that he was talking to. Unless you change, you too are just like these. Jesus was lumping us together, and that's what he's saying. There's no difference between any people. We all need God's grace. We all need God's protection. So the question isn't, why, isn't this, why is this happening, or Who's, who's to blame? The question should be, how is this affecting me? Is this drawing me closer to God? Or is this drawing me more into fear? Here's another story from the life of Jesus. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 25. says that one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's get in a boat and go across the, to the other side of the lake. So they set sail. Soon Jesus fell asleep. The wind rose and a fierce wind became violent squall, a violent squall that threatened to swamp their boat. So the disciples woke Jesus up and they said, Master, Master, we're sinking. Don't you care that we're going to drown? With great authority, Jesus rebuked the howling wind and the surging waves, and instantly they stopped and became as smooth as glass. And then Jesus asked them this question Why are you fearful? Have you lost your faith? This is, this is a great story and because it, it, it shows that a bad thing just happened. This storm came up on this lake suddenly and here's the disciples in this boat and they're out in the middle of this water and this is a really violent storm and the water is coming in the boat and they panic and they actually wake Jesus up and they question him whether he cares about them or not. They actually give a bad negative report. We're all going to die. You know, they're just saying what they really believe. It was in their heart. And here was Jesus, the contrast. He was asleep in the middle of the storm. You see, there's two responses when we go through something that is negative or it's a hardship that's put upon us, something we feel that we don't deserve, something, you know, that is bad that's happening to us. There's two responses. We can be like Jesus and we can rest through the storm. Or we can be like the disciples and we can get really negative and, and, and state the obvious. Don't, don't you realize this pandemic is dangerous, God? Don't you even care that people are dying and start questioning God's goodness and questioning God's character? Two different things. It's funny that they asked Jesus this question, don't you care that we're going to drown? And he answered them with a the question, why are you fearful and why have you lost your faith? Did Jesus expect them to have faith? to stop the storm? Or did Jesus expect them to have faith to sleep in the storm? I believe he expected them to have faith to sleep in the storm. I think Jesus expected them to have enough faith to be at perfect peace regardless of what was happening in the world. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29, Jesus said this, If you're tired of carrying the heavy burdens... And just stop right there. If you're living in fear and you're living in negativity, 
and you're questioning or blaming, you're carrying a heavy burden. You need to let it go. It's weighting you down. And Jesus says, if you're tired of it, come to me, and I will give you rest. That's the promise that Jesus has. He said in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of something that's so negative, rather than having the fear weigh you down and, you know, all the questions weigh you down, all the stuff weigh you down that you don't really even know, just come to Jesus. He's going to give you rest. He goes on and says this, take the yoke that I give you, put it on your shoulders, and learn from me. I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest. The yoke that Jesus wants to put on us is not a heavy yoke. He wants to put on us a yoke that just requires us to trust him 100%. It is a yoke. It is something that we have to put on. We have to consciously say to ourselves, I am going to trust God 100% during these times of trial. He wants us to trust him so we can find peace and sleep. He says, come to me and learn. <laughs> learn. He's going to teach us how we can sleep in the storm. He says, come to me and learn how to be gentle and how to be humble and how to find rest. You know, a lot of people don't understand what Christianity means. They think it's a list of rules and a certain way of speaking, or they, they think it's a lot of different things. But I'll tell you what it is in a nutshell. It's following Jesus. It's following Jesus' example. If we're Christian, we should be the ones sleeping in the storm. We should be the ones that are gentle and humble and at rest. We shouldn't be the ones panicking. We shouldn't be the ones spreading negative speech. And we sure shouldn't be the ones that are trying to blame other people for something that really just happened. Psalm 91, 9 through 10. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Wow, those are really big words. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter. What's a refuge? Well, it's where you live. You see, this, this faith that I'm talking about, this 100% trust in God, it's not something that, you know, we should just pick up when times are hard. This 100% faith in, faith in God is something we should live in. It should be our refuge. And he says, if you do that, when times come, you can rest assured. You, you can just be so rest assured in his provision and his protection. Those are huge words. If you make the most high your shelter, it's like coming under the roof of the Lord. You know that when you're in the Lord's house, nothing's going to happen. There's no disease in God's house. There's no plague in God's house. You're under the roof. You're, you're there with God. So you have absolute assurance and confidence. That's how we should live every day of our life. Not just when the pandemic comes, not just when the stock market crashes. We should be living every day under his great care, every day in his rest. Some of us are like the prodigal son. This pandemic's hit at a time when we've maybe been outside God's, God's house, God's care. Maybe we've been outside. We haven't been living in him. Maybe we haven't been living for him. You know, the prodigal son, he, he was a son that went to his father and he asked for his inheritance and he left home. And he went out and he just went his own way. And he, on just wild living, he, he spent everything he had. He wasn't prepared for a day of calamity. He just lived, you know, hour to hour and never prepared. Luke 15, 14 through 16 said, after he had spent everything, talking about the prodigal son, there was a severe famine in the whole country. You see, things happen. Bad things happen. It's no one's fault. Sometimes famine just comes. And the question isn't why it comes or who's to blame. The question is, where am I in the midst of it? How is this negative thing affecting me? And it says that the prodigal was out there and he had spent everything. He wasn't prepared. And when the famine came, 
he began to be in great need. Many of you today feel that you're in great need, and I understand that. It says that he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. Severe famine. It just happens. It just happens. But God uses it. God didn't send it, but God uses it. And he'll use it like he is using this pandemic to bring many of you right back in to the Lord, right back into 100% trust in God, right where he wanted you to be all along. God didn't send the pandemic, but he certainly will use it to draw us back to himself, to make the wayward son or daughter painfully aware of where he is. Where is he? Far away from the Father without the Father's care or provision or safety. It says in Luke 15, 17, that when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. You see, God's desire for all of us is to come to our senses, come to our senses, to get back where we belong, with the Lord. He wants every single child of his to be under his care. And he's a big enough God to care for every single one of us. He uses times like these to wake us up, to rekindle the desire that we once had for him, to run to him and say, Lord, we need you. We need you, God. And then he'll teach us how to rest in the midst of this storm. You know, I'd like to minister to a few of you today. I, <clears throat> praying about this message, I, I feel like there's some of you that, you know, you're God's child. You've just strayed away from trusting him. You, you've, you've strayed away. And when the pandemic came and all this talk of a hardship and all the negative talk, it came into our world, you, you suddenly were so full of fear and panic. And, and when the pandemic came, you, you realized that you were not trusting God the way you should have been trusting God. Maybe some of you found yourself in a place that was way far away from where you are supposed to be, and you know that. Well, let me just give you some reassurance. You are God's child no matter where you are right now. You don't cease being his child. The prodigal son never ceased being the father's son. He was in a place that was not suited for him. He was in a place that was not good, but he was always the father's child. I want to tell you one more thing, and that is no matter what you've done or what you haven't done, God is waiting for you to come home, come to him. He wants you with him. He wants you to make him your refuge. He wants it to be where you live every day. He wants you to come back into his house. If you just for a minute imagine in your mind just God's big mansion, his big house, and he has this big roof covering it, and he's saying, I want you to come home and just come into to my house and live here. Come home to me. Because in his house, in his refuge, there's provision and there's protection, but it's with him. You know, many people in times like this, they, they run to God, but then when the pandemic leaves, they don't necessarily stay in relationship with God. It's kind of sad. In the story of the prodigal son, Jesus ends the story with the prodigal son coming home and the father running out to meet him. And you may know the story, and he ran out to meet him, and, and he reestablished his sonship when he walked, in, walked to the father. The father brought him in, and they had a great feast, but the story kind of ends right there. We don't know the end of the story with the prodigal son. We don't know if he stayed home, and we don't know that he didn't, after the famine lifted, 
that he didn't just go back out into the world and go back to his wild living. And I think the reason Jesus doesn't tell us the end of the story is because it's all of our stories. We all get to finish the story of the prodigal son. I have been wayward. I know that many times in my life I have gone my own way and I've found myself in places that I should not have been. And God called me back to himself and I came back home. And then, you know, there's always that temptation to go out and to to leave the Father's protection, to leave the trust of the Father again. And God is saying to each of us, not only come home, stay home. The end of this message is very much in line with what the CDC is saying to us. Stay home and stay safe. And God is saying the same thing to us. Come home, stay home, and stay safe in his protective care under the shelter that he has provided. So let's pray together. God, I thank you for this time, God, that we get to share with this this group of people. And though I can't see them, God, I pray, Lord, that they would be fixing their eyes right on you right now. That you would be showing them, God. You would be revealing what's in their heart. Let them hear your voice, Lord, that you're calling them home, that you're calling them to yourself, and you want to let them have rest and peace. You are so good, Father. You're so good. There's no place we would rather be than safe in your care. And we thank you, God, that your arms are wide open. That when we start to come back to you, that you run down that road and you throw your arms around us. And you never scold us. You never belittle us. You only love us and take us into your home. You're so good. And we just praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go before I know that you've even gone to win my war. And you come back with the head of my enemy. You come back and you call.
still.